Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring March 29th, 1985, from the Nassau Coliseum, Uniondale, New York. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-host, Nob. Uh, Fig is away on assignment this evening. Uh, Nob, how the hell are you? All right, I'm vibing. I'm uh I'm knee deep in rehearsal for a production of Beauty and the Beast at the moment. So that's most of my world. And then when I'm not doing that, I am watching these Dead and Coast streams that are yes. now wrapping up at two in the morning. Oh, when <laughs> <laughs> they were on the East Coast. Yeah, let's uh, let's just segue segue right into our Channel Six news segment, which are uh, actually which is only the um. Dead and Company West Coast shows. Um, they they were gracious enough to us East Coasters by giving us a little teaser tonight West Coast run at the Gorge, um, July seventh and eighth, to get us ready and primed up for the three night West Coast run coming up on the fourteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth in San Francisco. Um calling it an endurance test but really it's just staying awake on the couch until two in the morning it's for me running like i'm sitting there watching it but i feel like i've done something when it's 2 a.m and i'm still awake i'm i get pretty i i'm tired by the end of set well I'm, i'm tired going into it yeah but i'm i'm tired at the end of set one then it's like Without saying too much, for what I do, set break is a big thing. Yeah. So getting through set break is almost like an adrenaline rush. It's like I hit I I I hit the time cues perfectly. Nothing's missed. Everything's working great. I'm probably saying way too much. Uh, everything's great, right? Then set two starts, and it really all depends on how set two starts. If it's like on fire, I'm good. If it's not, and I would say these past two Gorge shows, I would say it was pretty good. I have, I have no, I, I mean, it was only two shows, but I have no complaints about either one. Um, I'm, I, it, it starts to go downhill though if it's not good. Then drums and space is the test. Sure. That, that's, that's my like. And by that point, I normally self-sabotage myself and put myself on the sofa, like laying down. Because it's like, okay, like, for, for what I do, any, any events, uh, any negative type events are probably, are probably safe. So I can, I can relax a little bit. And then those, those drums and space begin, and it just, I'm done. 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 Like, sound asleep. Like, um... Full disclosure, the uh, last Gord show, I woke up and the stream was over. And uh, I, I, was, I was confused. I thought everything was broken. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, God. And then everyone was was on Discord. And I was like, oh, this just happened. <laughs> like, this, like, all right. I only missed whatever from Jump's face on. So um, do you have any highlights from the two Gorge shows? 
Um, I was out and about during the first one. I went to see Trey Band at the Stone Pony. Yes. So I did miss that one outside of... <laughs> I was. I got back and set one was just wrapping up, and it was good. I was enjoying what I was hearing. And then set break happened, and we started set two, and I watched the sugary, and then I fell asleep, and then I woke up, and they were at drums, and I thought, all right, I'm going to just go to bed. <laughs> uh, um, so I can't tell you much about Gorge Night One, except that I've heard good things, and I really liked the sugary that I heard. And the bird song, oh, the bird song at the end of set one at the Gorge was great. That was very good. Um, and then night two, I was there the whole time. Uh, I thought the set two was particularly strong. The There was a play-in wheel play-in, which had some really cool jams in it, as well as a nice St. Stephen the Eleven with a really ripping Eleven solo from Mayer and a, a nice microphone smack from Bobby. Uh, a really pretty Stella Blue. It was 1.30 in the morning, and I didn't necessarily need a Stella Blue at that point in the night, but I was impressed with how good it was. Um, yeah, I... I wouldn't consider these my favorite shows of the Dead & Co. tour or anything, but there was a lot of good in the Gorge. Um, I did find it funny. I believe it was the July 8th show, night two. Um, before the show, there was rumblings of um, a special guest. And um, I saw reports of... Um, again. I, I saw reports of Eddie Vedder. <laughs> no. And, and like it they were like they were serious reports though. It yeah. was it wasn't like a troll. It was like these people were like they were serious. And I'm like if if I'm up till 2 in the morning yeah. and I have to listen to Eddie and and you know, no offense to these pro jam fans out there. But if I have to listen to Eddie Vedder do yeah. <laughs> do anything, I'm going to be super upset. And thankfully that didn't happen. So no. Um, it was great, grateful for that. It's always funny seeing those sort of rumors go around because I worked at a, a music festival in Asbury Park last summer, and uh, like it's one thing if the the people who are just like patrons are like, oh, I wonder if if Bruce Springsteen's going to sit in for a song or something. <laughs> but I had one of my coworkers like earnestly come up to me and was like, hey, I know you like fish, and I was like, well, I just have long hair, but yeah, I do like fish, and he was like. I heard that Trey's going to sit in during the Solis set. And I was like, I doubt it. And he was like, no, 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 I heard. And I was like, I mean, okay, that'd be cool if it does. And then Trey did not sit in with Solis during her set. And then later that day, that same coworker came up to me and was like, dude, I hear Bruce is going to sit in with my morning jacket. And I was like, no, you're 0 for 1 already, buddy. Bruce Springsteen is not sitting in during this festival. And uh, he did not. But it was very funny how dedicated people were to the idea that Bruce Springsteen was going to show up. I feel like whenever I've been to New Jersey, I, every corner I'm about to turn, I'm getting ready to see Spruce, Spruce Springsteen. That's, that's, Bruce that's, Springsteen. His, that's, his, that's his tree relative. Yeah, that's, um, that's my little wooden <laughs> sculpture that I made that lives outside of my house. Um, but I guess, speaking of special guests... Yes. Um... Did ha, I forget? Have we discussed Dave Matthews, or or did you guys discuss Dave Matthews' last show? Probably we last we show. discussed Dave Matthews' last show, but you weren't here. So if you've got some Dave Matthews hot takes, well, what was I guess what was the consensus of the pod? We thought it was fine. It was, yeah, okay, I, I I can agree with that. <laughs> it was in no way, shape, or form show ruining. I I wouldn't call it the greatest Dead and Co show of the run by any stretch. I, I liked the all along the watchtower being a different arrangement. I thought that yes. was cool. 
Yes. After that, it was kind of eh, but it wasn't Dave Matthews' fault. It was eh. It was just the encore combo of of knocking on heaven's door and the wait. Both very good songs, but such an underwhelming way to end a show. Agreed. And and I think it's always cool when sit-ins like that happen. Yeah. I just think it was like very out of the blue. And yeah. I, and I guess really all Dead and Company sit-ins have been completely out of the blue. That's the thing is like they are built off of these players' musical connections over all of the years. I wouldn't say Dave Matthews is any more random than Maggie Rogers or Justin True. Vernon of Bon Iver or Correct. others. Why now, not judge? <laughs> that was probably the most random one, wasn't it? <laughs> um, final three shows. I guess I have two questions yep. for you. Yes. First question. Now, the first two nights are your standard, at least for us, probably 10 o'clock starts, 10, 10.30 starts. Yep. Are they starting the third show any earlier? Yes, uh, I believe a half hour earlier or an hour oh, earlier. Okay. It's, it's better for us on the East Coast. It'll start in the 9 o'clock hour instead of the 10 o'clock hour. Well, it just wonders me if they're just going to go longer as opposed yeah. to ending earlier. Yeah, I wonder if it's because it is a Sunday, so I wonder if it might be a curfew thing or if they've decided, fuck it, we're going to play for an extra hour tonight. Um. There have been some talks, and I mean on talks, meaning social media, Reddit, yeah. Facebook, etc. Of, I don't know if this is people just guessing or they just want this to happen. Yeah, but I think I, you know, what I'm going to say. Yeah, people seem to think, and maybe even for some reason want Bob Dylan to sit in with Dead and Company. Yes. That is what I've been hearing. How would that make you feel? I mean, it'd be fine. Again, it, it depends on how long he was out there. If Bob Dylan was out there for the whole show, for the very last Dead and Company show, I, I feel like a little, you know, Bob Dylan's a legend and it's always cool to see him perform. But Bob Dylan doesn't have much of a history with Dead and Company outside of them doing All Along the Watchtower regularly. It's not like they do a ton of Dylan songs. Masterpiece right. found itself out of the rotation. They play Knocking on Heaven's Door, but and I, I am recording this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I kind of wish they wouldn't. Um, yeah, people like that too. <laughs> I know it's so. I like when the Grateful Dead do Knocking on Heaven's Door, and yes. not to bring up the usual complaint. But I didn't need to hear a slower version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Correct. Um, that's my Dead & Co. hot take for today. The rest of it would be positive. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I would, if there was a special guest, you know, personally, if I had power in this situation or my input mattered in any way, shape, or form, I would rather it be someone that is dead-related, whether that's Donna, whether that's... It's yeah. not going to be Bill or Phil, but I don't know. Someone in, in the world rather than... I, I guess the only person it could be would be... I mean, I shouldn't say that. But if you want to get Grateful Dead, Dead-related, yeah, and it's not going to be Billy or Phil. No. Bill wants you to think that he might be sitting in. There was that cryptic tweet yeah. that he put out a few days ago. 
this is my not to just speculate i'm pretty sure that's him announcing more billy and the kids shows yeah i didn't care when he did that yeah it seems it's, like he wants everyone to go oh, is billy sitting in is billy sitting in so everyone's talking about yeah. billy so that when he announces a third billy and the kids show yeah and the eyes are already on him yeah and not and not to pile on billy but it's not like he's I, to me i'm not speaking for all deadheads i i don't miss him yeah it yeah it'd <laughs> you be, know it, it'd be cool to have him there for like a song or two but at this point like let jay do his thing jay is very good at what he does I, I don't need Dead and Company to sound like they did in 2019 again. Correct. If we're if we're wrapping this this you know iteration of the band up, let's let's continue on with with Jay because he's great. And also, Bill Kreutzmann has never been the kind to go back on a decision. When yeah. Bill Kreutzmann <laughs> announced he was leaving Dead and Company, that was it. He is not coming back. Um. Yeah, we'll. <laughs> I'll dig into Bill a little bit more later on during the show. <laughs> uh, I guess other than Donna, though. Um... Oh, I'll let my boy Bruce play the accordion. Oh, come on. Well, you come know on. what? I, I, I didn't the even... Devil into Masterpiece with Hornsby on the accordion. I, I guess I didn't think of, of Hornsby. Uh, I know, that, you try not to. That I, I, I know I try not to... When we listen back, yeah, I, <laughs> I have to say, if I'm half asleep and Orange became strung out with his with his squeeze box, yeah, I, I would absolutely start bust out laughing, yeah. and then and then I would absolutely probably enjoy whatever yeah. is about to happen. It was the exact reaction I had to the Mickey rap. I was yeah. never sitting there going, "Oh boy, I hope Mickey Hart raps today." And then it's, I was like away from my laptop, and then I just heard. Mr. Sprunner, what you standing there for? And I was like, no way. No way. I like started yelling no way, even though I was alone in my apartment. Yeah, that was one of those things where I also got really excited. And my animals were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it is, it is a build night. Dad is hollering at the TV. Because <laughs> there's an old man who looks confused singing into a microphone. <laughs> I like the little kiss that he blew O'Teal right before he started his verse. It was such a sweet moment. Um, everybody, I, I always love just watching O'Teal and him just being so happy <laughs> that that happened, yeah. um, was just stellar. Um, but okay, I guess enough of Dead and Company because, uh, next week we will be reviewing the final three Dead and Company shows. Um, yeah. And then I guess we will see what the future has in store. Uh, O'Teal kind of made a little bit of a cryptic post as well uh, yeah. on Instagram um, stating that no one seems to know why the band is quitting, um, which doesn't quite make sense to me unless it is Billy related. Um, yeah, but it has, no. to, it has to be John, right? Like, I mean, I think it's... I. <laughs> I don't think there's any one reason that Dead and Company is calling it quits. I think there are a few reasons that all kind of bounce together. I do think that Kreutzmann leaving was a big thing. I do think that Mayer doesn't want to be pigeonholed as a dead guy forever. You know, he doesn't want to be the fourth or fifth guy to be the yeah. fake Jerry in a Grateful Dead, you know, uh, revival band. 
You know uh, what, though? If you look at John Mayer's social media over these past yeah. two weeks, he should be happy he's a part of our little deadhead community. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Um, oh, all right. So uh, before we go into our main event this evening of March 29th, 1985, uh, Nob, you, uh, you have a little special introduction to this show. Why don't you uh, go ahead and take it away here? Yes. So... Uh, this show, 329-1985 in Nassau Coliseum, is very, I would call it personally significant, uh, because this is the first show that my dad ever attended in 1985. Um, he liked it. <laughs> he had a good time with it. Um, and luckily, I got the chance to ask him a few questions about the show and about his experience, and I'd like to play that for you now. All right, and we are going to go to previously recorded comments. Hello, it's me from the podcast. I'm here with my dad, uh, who was at this show uh, on March 29th, 1985 at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I'm going to ask him some questions about his experience. Uh, so, dad, thank you for being here. Hello, everyone, and thanks for having me. Uh, so... This was your first Grateful Dead show. You were 18 when you went. Yes. Uh, what was your relationship with Grateful Dead music like before this show? When, when did you, roughly, when did you first hear the dead? Uh, I would say it was approximately a year, about a year before that, where my friends were really into it, but I didn't quite jump on the bus yet at that time. But a very good friend of mine, Robert Weinstein, was a big deadhead who was... Um, seeing lots of shows at the time and he convinced me along with uh listening to a lot of tapes and albums at the time in fact he made me um what i called my greatest hits of the songs that i really wanted to see and hoped to see at the time and he made it tape but of course he made it a live tape because he just said that they are always better than the albums themselves and so you mentioned this, this greatest hits. I know that you had a few songs that you were hoping to catch at this first show. What, what songs were those? Oh, off the top of my head, I, I was a big fan of Ripple, but I didn't catch that. But I did get to see uh, My Friend of the Devil was on my list. Uh, Terrapin was on there. The Women Were Smarter were on there. Going Down the Road was on there. And of course, my favorite song of all from the dead are Warfrat. And then right behind that would be Throwing Stones. And in and, and an ironic way, I really enjoyed Johnny Be Good. And that also was played that night, which were all on this tape that was made for me that I still can't find to date today. Some nice universal uh, karma. Um, so you had a, a heck of an experience getting into this show. What was it like trying to, uh, to get into Nassau Coliseum in 1985 for you? Well, that's quite a story. Uh, it goes back that, um, my friend Bob said, we're going to this concert and another friend of ours, Mike Kramer at the time, who's passed away. Um, the three of us jumped into this Honda Civic, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, took the ride from um, Wachong, New Jersey, out to Nassau Coliseum. Um, we went there, and we kind of had a thing back in the day because the, uh, the police weren't so kind to deadheads and stickers that we kind of wore regular clothes on Bob's suggestion on the way there and out to be safe. No tie-dyes, no nothing. So we end up getting there, park the car, 
um, have a few beers, enjoying life, just, you know, seeing the parking lot, the whole place was just overwhelming for us. And we decided at this time that we need to go find tickets. Neither of us, all three of us, none of us had tickets. So we changed into our quote unquote dead clothes, um, which I didn't have many at the time. I had to go find some in the parking lot, to be honest with you. But I did have a few shirts and we changed. And at the same time that this occurred, I ended up uh, had the keys in my pocket. And when I changed pants into shorts, we locked the car and everything to go for our hunt. And the keys were in there along with the bag of weed. So what we had to end up doing was we just kind of said, let's deal with it at the time when we get back. So we all went out looking for tickets. We all separated and we came back and I myself bought two phony tickets off a scalper that was kind of outside of the perimeter, but on the highway flashing tickets. And uh, I believe tickets back then were about $13, $13.50, somewhere around there. And I believe I spent close to... 70 bucks on these two tickets to, to get them. Um, my friend Bob, on the other hand, got a miracle ticket. So we all meet back, and our friend Mike didn't find any at the time. And we came back. We saw that we had three tickets, and we were in heaven. We high-fived everyone, and then we realized that we left something in the car that we couldn't get to. But life was good. Everyone else around us had it. We were young, and we had beer, and we were just having a great time, and it was time to go in. And we marched in, we got in line, we got there, and as my friend Mike had the first ticket, his ticket, as he went to present it to the person, that guy grabbed him by the arm, yelled out fake ticket, grabbed it, ripped the ticket in half, and basically pulled him out by his shirt. So I was next in line, knowing that this was going to happen to me, so I stepped back along with Bob, and we all kind of met right up front of the gate saying, you know, now what do we do, what do we do? And like I said, this was our first concert. We weren't, you know, the brightest kids at the time. Um, we all made a pact that not, you know, we weren't going to let one go in who had a good ticket and two sit in the parking lot. It was all in or all out. So uh, at the time, looking back to it, might not have been the best thing to do at the time. But my friend Bob held up the tickets and told, said, 50 bucks takes them. And he held two tickets up. Someone bought them. We don't know who. But we ran back to the car because we didn't want to see that person ever again, knowing it wasn't the greatest move. And, uh, you know, with all my time with the dead, uh, probably one of the worst maneuvers you could have done. But someone bought a good ticket and a fake ticket. So that got us back to the car. We got back to the car. Now we're locked out. Our bag of weed's in the car. We have no keys. And we're just sitting around stewing. Not, not happy. No one's getting tickets. These were tough to find. It was sold out and it was a tough time to get in. So at this time, I went up to the police who was patrolling around and I told him what happened. And he was kind of like, uh, told me to go to the trailer that was there. And that's where, you know, I could talk to someone about possibly getting a tow truck or someone to help us. When I went in there and told the guy our story, he said, well, you know, they'll be out after the concert. They're not coming. We don't Slim Jim any cars. We're not going to have anyone out till afterwards. So why don't you just enjoy the show and, and, and you'll deal with us afterwards. And I explained to him our situation. And he looked at me and said, how many are you? And I said, it's me and my two friends from New Jersey. And he said, go get them. So I ran like hell, found my two friends, told them what just occurred. They were like, no way. We said, yeah, we ran back. That same cop police officer was waiting at that little trailer. And he said, come on, 
and he walked us over to the door of Nassau Coliseum. He banged a couple times. The door opened up, and he said, let these guys in. They have issues with their car, and they need to get a wrecker at the end of the show. So they let us in. And the big joke with me is, you know, kind of like with drug dealers back in the day, first one's free. First one was free for me. Nice. A wild, wild adventure getting in there. And then once you were in there, what were your impressions of the venue, of the the crowd, of the band, all of that? Well, once we got in there, we were so excited. We were jumping around like monkeys and just high-fiving and just, just, just so excited about what's going on. And my friend Bob says, hey, my friend Joey Heights is here and uh, we should go run into him. So we worked our way. We found Joey. Joey gave us a couple pre-rolls and said, hey, I have these shrooms here if you guys are interested. So we didn't know any better. So we said, sure. So we each ate a handful of that and went on to see this show. Um, for me, I was in, in heaven because, you know, the dancing, the people around, it was just everything Bob always talked about and, and what we did. Everything with us was, you know, albums or cassettes. Once in a while, there'd be a video and it'd be something on news saying the dead are coming in town and you'll get a short clip of them playing. But for me, myself, this was, you know, above and beyond overwhelming for me. Um, and just starting my trip of the day because it was still early and, and all that other stuff really hadn't kicked in at this particular time yet. Nice. And uh, both then and, and since then, I'm sure you've listened to the tape of that show. What are your, your thoughts and recollections on the music of the night, just in general? Well, for the first time, I mean, when I first saw it, I just thought it was the greatest thing I ever saw. They played songs I wanted to hear. You know, my friend Bob kept saying, you know, that's not normal. They usually don't play all the, you know, you're very lucky. We're catching a great night. You know, it's, uh, it's hit or miss all the time, you know, and, and there'd be, there's a good chance that they might, might not play any of those songs, but they did. And I think that's what hooked me onto it. And I go back and listen to it now. It was a very, very good show. I've obviously, for show one, I have nothing to rate it by other than they played the songs I wanted to hear. Probably the only one on that tape that they didn't play for me I wanted to hear was Ripple. But I don't think many people, people heard ripple back in that time in that day uh unless they were very fortunate but i didn't get that but from listening to the tape and hearing it seemed like they had a lot of power a lot of energy um might have been one of the few times i've ever really saw a guest come out didn't know much about him at the time um in fact jack reminded me of the throwing of the drumsticks i kind of remember that in a funny way because bob pointed it out because He's already seen quite a few at this particular time, so he was a big help from being there. Uh, go to a concert with him now. We tend to help him a little bit more, but let, we won't go there. That's for a whole other story. But yeah, no, it was uh, great. But Nassau Coliseum was also a tough place to see them. They had uh, really tough security around there. Um, step out of line, they were ready to grab you. They had the drunk tank out there, and just, you know, you kind of had to stay with your wits. But at this time, the age we were at, what we just got involved with, we were out of our mind by the end of the show, just enjoying life and just thinking, like, this is the greatest thing that ever could happen to me. Sure. Thank you. Um, and I guess the big question that I assume is on our listeners' mind as much as it's on my mind is, so your, your keys are locked in the car. You're all a little out of your mind. How in the hell do you get home from Nassau Coliseum? Well, <laughs> the story goes that we got out of the concert, and we went back to the car and, you know, locked out as is. But we had a few more beers. 
um, didn't really take into consideration the laws and, 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 you know, things back then. But I don't know if many people did leaving the show at that particular time. So we just got to a point where we felt that the guy Mike said, I can drive, let's get out of here. And we're looking at the car and it was a little Honda Civic and we were just like, man, what are we going to do? We tried everything. We, the windows, the, you know, so a guy next to us volunteered to knock a window in. So, you know, at this point, I'm a little bit out there. I was like, sure, man. I don't, it's not my car. You'll pick a window. Well, this guy goes in front of the car, pulls his hat backwards and decides he's going to put his head through the windshield. Now, me and Mike thought it was hilarious, and we're like, yeah, this is awesome, do it. But Bob said no, he couldn't do it. So Bob was literally on the front hood of his car telling the guy, please don't, please don't, please don't. So what he ended up doing was he went over to the side window in the back on the, on the driver's side and leaned up from the other car, got up in between the two, and just kicked two or three times with his big work boots and broke the window in the car. But this was also March, and it was a little cold at this time. So I had to go out and buy a Guatemalan blanket that I found there that was relatively reasonable. And I wrapped myself up in this blanket, and then we started our nice commute home back to wonderful Watchung, New Jersey, um, listening to tapes, laughing, and knowing that we had this big fresh bag of weed still in the glove box because it was locked in the car from this whole event that we haven't even had an opportunity to to, uh, taste or sample. So that was kind of our... Round trip about my first show of Nassau Coliseum. Um, I don't recommend driving home the way we did at that particular time. A little service amount announcement for you out there. Uh, don't do it. I don't even think we had seatbelts on, to be honest with you. But that was us, and that was then. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you having, having you on the show, uh, taking the time out to talk to us, and for sharing your thoughts on this first show of yours. All right, everyone. Thanks for having me. It was great being here. It was a lot of fun. And just peace out and enjoy the ride. Wow. Wasn't that interesting, game? (laughs) Didn't we have a good time listening to that while recording the podcast? Yes, it was. (laughs) I'm keeping this all in, by the way. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's our most natural transition that we've ever done on the pod. Yeah, we, um, folks, we've never... um, cut out of a fake interview that's yet to happen before. So this is what's happening. <laughs> um, I do want to thank both Knob and Mr. Knob for taking the time out of both of their busy schedules to record that little snippet that we both listened to. And I have a feeling that Mr. Knob probably liked this show as much as I did. Because uh, it was stellar, the whole entire thing. Um, so let's go ahead and go into our thoughts. Um, set one kicked off with Cold Rain and Snow. Then we got our new favorite songs, Down in the Bottom and Ain't Superstitious, uh, Friend of the Devil, Into Supplication. Then we got a song that I wish Ted and Company would play, uh, My Brother Esau. Then we got Tennessee Jed, New Minglewood Blues, and set one ended with Don't Ease Me In. So we've already heard what Mr. Knob has to think about this show. So, Knob, what do you have to think about set one? I enjoyed it. Um, the things that are immediately going to catch your ear when you listen to 32985A is that there's only an audience tape, uh, which honestly I thought was really fun. I thought it captured the energy 
of that Long Island Nassau crowd really well. Um, and the other big standout to me is that Jerry's voice is, I, it's 85. This is not the nicest that Jerry's voice has ever sounded. It is not the nicest that Jerry's voice will ever sound. Uh, but that being said, Jerry gives it his all in terms of the energy of the vocal delivery. Uh, and he's on fire on his guitar. But if you're a, a stickler for pretty voiced Jerry, not going to be the night for you. Um, I thought that Cold Rain and Snow was a really fun way to start. Some really tight and sharp playing from the band. Like, it, it, I didn't hear a missed note at any point, which was very cool. Uh, and then I loved the explosion of energy at the chorus harmonies. Uh, makes you look past a slightly rocky verse vocal delivery. Um... Down in the bottom, I Ain't Superstitious is a lot of fun, some rip-roaring fun energy. Uh, occasionally pitchy slide work from Bob, but a very fun harmonica solo from Matt Kelly. And here's, here's one of those parts where we briefly have to dig into the history of this show. Because, I, you know, we, we, we form our own opinions, but I do a little bit of Googling, a little bit of research about these shows so that I know what I'm talking about. And when I kept Googling 329.85... People kept talking about the drumstick incident. I kept seeing 329.85 is the drumstick show. And I was like, what the hell are they talking about? And there's a video on YouTube that you could watch that's, that's got pretty clear video that during Matt Kelly's harmonica solo, Mickey Hart takes it upon himself to just start throwing drumsticks at him. Uh, apparently, Kreutzmann and Kelly had beef over... Whether or not Kreutzmann got all the money he deserved for a, a Kingfish tour, and whether or not Kreutzmann needs Matt Kelly in the groin so hard that he couldn't father children anymore. This is a real lawsuit. Um, and for some reason, Mickey took it upon himself to throw the drumsticks at Matt Kelly. And you could literally see in the video that when Bobby notices that, he like stands in between them to be like, Fuck it, stop! This is my friend, do not throw drumsticks at him. Uh, so that's an that, interesting bit of that, dead history. Was that lawsuit before this show or after this show? The lawsuit was after the show, but the incident that caused the lawsuit had already happened. So there was, like, genuine beef. Yes. Bad blood between Kreutzmann and Kelly, and for some reason it was Mickey that decided he would stand up for his friend by throwing drumsticks during the performance. At the guy sitting in as a guest. I'm I'm watching it now. Um, yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess it, I shouldn't say it's insane for 2023. Sure. Like if if this happened today, oh my god. Um, I don't know how big of a deal it was in 1985. But watching it back, like, yeah, like, he just, boom. And then another one. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And he just keeps on playing. That's crazy. Anyway, continue on. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Um, no, you're good. That was... I mean, it's hard to talk musically about that down in the bottom. I ain't superstitious because it's good, but it gets overshadowed by the drumstick incident. Um, anyway, so then we move on to Friend of the Devil. Uh, a nice groove on this slow Friend of the Devil, and I thought 
of the set one songs, this is probably the best Jerry vocals you're going to get. Uh, a lovely little solo from Brent. There's a really great build on the song during this Jerry solo. I would put this Friend of the Devil among my set highlights. Uh, then we get to the Supplication Jam into Esau. Uh, it's a really fun jam. Uh, Jerry Solo kind of stays in samey territory the whole time, but really high energy from the drummers and some very nice hits from Brent. I wouldn't call it the smoothest transition into Brother Esau, but I do think it's a really cool idea, and if they had done that two or three more times, I could see the Esau Jam being a cool intro to Esau. No, Supplication Jam being an intro to Esau. The Esau Jam is always going to be an intro to Esau. Anyway, I really enjoy the Esau. It's got some very good energy, uh, a hot Jerry solo. It's got a little bit of a rocky start, but it's very good. Uh, I also just, I think Esau is a really good song. Uh, and we're one month away from the finest of that vintage, as one of my favorite archive reviews referred to the 42785 Esau. Anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, Jerry's. We get to Jed, and Jerry's voice does not sound as good as it did on Friend of the Devil, but good energy despite a very energetic delivery. Uh, I really like what Brent's electric piano is doing in Tennessee Jed. Um, it's also wild to me that the coolest part of Tennessee Jed is pretty much note for note in Estimated Profit as well. That whole build-up section in the instrumental... Anyway, uh, Minglewood is great. Minglewood is one of the highlights of this show. Uh, it is ass-shaking music right there. I wish that Bob didn't play his slide solo for as long as he did. It definitely... My first note was, okay, a Bobby solo. But still, and then my note was, okay, a long Bobby solo. And then my note was just a frowny face. And then, but when the solo is over, <laughs> uh, and we get a nice shout out to T for Long Island. Um, and then Donnie's is a lot of fun. Uh, a slightly sloppy start, but uh, it's got some really high energy. I love, there's a verse where Jerry's voice sounds even more congested than ever and he growls through it and the crowd roars and i'm like with them it's awesome it's a really cool moment uh it's a hot donies uh brent uh makes the organ howl a tight and ripping jerry solo a really fun high energy way to close out a very fun and high energy first set what did you think game i liked i really like set one um in fact i like all of set one uh, nothing negative to say uh cold rain and snow was good uh really enjoyed down in the bottom it ain't superstitious um really didn't even I, I i remember you posting the video in the chat but i didn't realize that mickey was throwing drumsticks uh during it so the fact that that was going on and i still really enjoyed the performance i thought was yeah. pretty cool um it's one of those things that just listening to the tape you cannot tell that matt kelly's being pelted with drumsticks and then you I watch the video and you're like damn yeah, I feel like that definitely would have threw me off my game. Yeah, like, I wouldn't have played as nice as a harmonica solo if I was getting shit thrown at me. No, absolutely not. Um, Friend of the Devil and Supplication were good. Uh, my favorite thing of set one was probably my brother Esau. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of forgot how much I enjoyed that song. Uh, and I, I don't want to say I rediscovered it, but that was a nice little like, ooh, I haven't heard this in a while. 
Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, Tennessee Jack, good. Minglewood, good. Don't ease me in, good. Um, I really didn't even mind, like 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 you stated, Jerry's vocals weren't as strong. Yeah. Um, but it still didn't really bother me. Um, no, this isn't a night where that totally detracts. Now, in Grateful Dead lore, is this pre-coma or post-coma? Pre-coma. Jerry's coma was July of 86. How did he sound coming out of that? Uh, That's a good question. I haven't listened to that show, the the December 86 show after the coma in a hot minute. I remember it sounding pretty good. Like, it it blows my mind that he, you know, comes out of a coma and has to relearn so much stuff. And can sound better than he did, you know, like just like a year before. Like yeah. stuff kind of blows me away. Um, anyway, let's go into set two. Uh, set two kicks off with Terrapin Station. And we got a man smart, woman smarter, uh, going down the road, feeling bad. Uh, baby, what you want me to do uh, by one Brent Midland. Uh, then we got a jam drums in space. Wharf rat. Rolling Stones, Johnny Be Good with an encore of Broke Down Palace. Uh, and once again, uh, I will go into. Um, one second, my phone's ringing here. I'll edit this out. Who the fuck is this? This is like a local phone number. 717. Fig bothering you for doing the show without him. What's going on? I thought we were doing tomorrow. Oh, it's USPS. I, don't know. I can I don't ignore know that. That's fine. They they lost the package, so now I guess they're just following up with me. Anyway, sure. uh, I'll probably got to keep that all in, folks, so never mind. Um, I, since Fig is not here today, I will go into my review of Set 2 first, and we all know how verbose I am with my reviews. Um, good. Again. Great. Um, really enjoyed the Terrapin. Man Smart, Women Smarter, I enjoyed I uh, really enjoyed going down the road. Um, baby, what you want me to do? Um, what's that's not, I know that's the name of the song, but yeah. what is that's, was that the pants too tight? No, 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 no. This is baby. What do you want me to do? Which is a, a Jerry Reed song from okay. the fifties. Uh, this is not yes. a Brent original, but Brent yes. does sing it. Um, really good. Um, I, I know I just forgot what it was there, but that stood out to me as always stood out to me so much that I kept on for the jam afterwards and drums and space. Um, and truthfully, I wasn't terribly off put by any of it. That's uh, high praise. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I also was quite busy at work during the time of those three little numbers. So Maybe that's to quote unquote blame for me being not too off, but hey, I stuck with it. Um, I thought Wharf Rat was really nice. Um, throwing Stones, it's it's Throwing Stones, it's not my favorite Grateful Dead song. Um, but it was still okay. Um, I thought Johnny Be Good was good, and I never get upset by a broke down palace encore. So, um, for this being your dad's very first show. Yeah. In my opinion, he saw a pretty damn good very first show. Um, what were your thoughts on set two? I liked it. Ooh. <laughs> um, Terrapin is a really fun way to start. Uh, I love 
the little bit of crowd banter right before where Bob goes, I want a bumper sticker that says Phil loves New York. Sure. That is where they were. Um, and then Terrapin is a nice way to start the set. Uh, a very dreamy feeling to the first half. Some very reserved playing, which is nice. I enjoy what Brent is adding, especially. Uh, and a very spacey jam in the transition between Lady with a Fan going into Terrapin. Uh, it's really cool. There's some great energy in the Terrapin half. The crowd is screaming Terrapin. Uh, really nice. Uh, some great energy on Man Smart, Women Smarter. Uh, Bob and Brent's voices sound great together. Um, this is another, I, there's a big loud cheer at one point in the audience tape, and I found myself going, what? Why are they, this is just some random verse in the middle of Man Smart, Women Smarter. Uh, but if you watch the tape, this is about the point that a woman walks on stage, like bops, like taps Jerry on the head, and like dances around for a little bit before security takes her off stage. Long Island. Uh, um... <laughs> Uh, the day crescendo section is especially nice at the end of this man smart, women smarter. Uh, and then it takes us into a very zippy going down the road feeling bad. This is one of my highlights of the set. I am going down the road feeling good about these Brent and Jerry solos. Um, thank you. Thank you. I, I felt really good when I wrote that one down. Uh, um, some very high energy harmonies towards the end. Uh, and I would definitely check out Jerry's work on the And We Bid You Good Night section at the end. He has a lot of fun throwing little ornamentations onto that melody. Uh, and then we get to the jam in and out of Baby What Do You Want From Me. Uh, almost like a music never stoppy sounding jam going into the song. Uh, a very nice shuffle groove. Okay. This will be one of my handful of gripes tonight. Because I have to have them contractually. I have to have at least three right. <laughs> and I, I know, I know, we love Brent. We're all big Brent fans. This was not my favorite vocal performance out of Brent. <laughs> this, this song, I don't know if it was just the falsetto sounding a little off or something, but it, it, this was not quite doing it for me in the composed parts. And then conversely, when we got to the solos, those were awesome. Uh, and then I loved, loved, loved the jam afterwards. That is one of my highlights of the set. It starts off, like, intense and funky, and then it mellows out into this almost, like, wheel-sounding world. Uh, it was really cool. And then drums basically starts early, but with Jerry and Phil throwing in some nice lines over it. Uh, I thought it was a really cool jam. That's definitely uh, one of the things I think you should check out. Uh, and then we get to the Wharf Rat. Again, Jerry's voice, noticeably hoarse, but the band is bringing it when it comes to the underscoring. It's very dreamy in the intro, and then it's very driving once the song gets kicking. Uh, Brent's organ touches add a lot to this one, uh, and Jerry's guitar rips. If his voice was in slightly better shape, this would be an all-timer war frat. That, it was great. Uh, and then we get into throwing stones, which Bobby growls his way through. It's got a fun energy. It's the early throwing stones, so it's still got that slight piss and vinegar feel to it, which I like. And then it goes into a very, very fast Johnny Be Good. It's like three minutes all in all, and not because they cut out the usual solo section. It's just that fast. Um, and it's a very fun, very high energy way to close out the second set. 
And then, like you said, I'm never going to complain about a broke down. It's a very lovely way to put a little bow on this show. Uh, all in all, at a very good time listening to it. Uh, I thought it was good. All right. Uh, we have no Scarlet Fire to rate this week. Uh, I kind of miss Scarlet Fire. I feel like it's been a while. Um, yeah. Since we've gotten a Scarlet Fire. So definitely missing that. Um, did this show make your Book of the Dead? I, oh, I mean, it has to, right? Like, it's like not only is it a very good show, and on that merit, I probably would still consider it a Book of the Dead show. But I don't know if I'm here right now doing this without this show. So I feel like for that reason, especially, this one has to go on my Book of the Dead. And you know what? And for that reason as well, it goes on my Book of nice. the Dead. This is a special show, not only... Um, I think it's a good show, like you said, just in general, but it's a special show for this podcast. So, uh, two Books of the Dead. Um, I think, did, did, did we set a rule that if it's on the Book of the Dead that we play the whole show? Yes. I think we did that. So, in that case... Uh, this very special show, in its entirety, will be directly after this podcast. Um, who is your show MVP, Nob? Oh, that is a tough one, because I find... I mean, it's probably Brent. I know I just griped about the vocal <laughs> performance on Baby, What Do You Want Me To Do? But in terms of adding a lot to the jams and the songs, it's either got to be Brent or Jerry, and I think I got to give it to Brent. And I'm going to go with Matt Kelly, and that's just oh. pissed off Billy. So, yeah, good. Bill uh, Kreutzman, known fan of our podcast, uh, is going to stop tuning in or leave a really angry comment. No uh, fan of the podcast, known snake oil CBD salesman, and okay. known known passive aggressive twitter user billy kreutzman still love you billy pro billy episode huh still still love you billy i'm just calling it as i see it all right um reddit comments this week um you know what knob i'm just gonna pass this one over to you if you want to read the whole thing feel free if you want to sum it up also feel free i'll jump around our okay. um our our noted fan and regular contributor at this point jwg3 uh left a comment uh on the show with some thoughts um i'll just kind of paraphrase well, not paraphrase but I'll, I'll just jump to points that i think are interesting especially um i do think i would agree they give the providence bottom superstitious that we listened to two weeks ago the edge uh i would agree i think that was a stronger one not to say that this one isn't strong, but this one is a stronger one. Um, the supplication jam is a highlight for them uh, of the whole show. Uh, and as a young head with fewer listening mileage on this song, this Esau helped me understand why it's one of the most commonly requested songs for Dead & Co. to add to their all-time repertoire. Uh, this is a good first Esau or early Esau to, uh, to listen to. Um... <laughs> first 80s mingle would have heard in forever and this is one of the performance that at times not always put me in the minority that can enjoy bobby's ice pick tone uh i don't know if i always i don't know if by the end of the solo i was agreeing with that statement but i do think that it's a really good mingle wood and i don't think bobby's uh, rendition totally detracts um and then when they get into set two uh 
I they specifically added this in for the possibility that this is read in Nob's voice. So I will read out that I am a sucker for Terrapin, and I feel like I'm just starting to gain full appreciation for Warfrat, so those were destined to do the trick. Uh, I am also a sucker for Terrapin. It is one of, if not my favorite, dead tunes, and it was really great. Uh, and then I'll just highlight the last thought. Uh, the biggest thing that JWG3 wants to say about the show uh, is that they're grateful that this one was odd only. The crowd noise made that Tennessee Jetta stand out, which it almost never is for me. I, I know I like this guy for a reason. Uh, and other reactions enhance so many more moments. I very rarely listen to odds, and if this show had a soundboard available, I likely never would have given this... Uh, felt the way this show just rocked the barn, and thus would not have gotten nearly as much praise to give. Uh, the tape gives me the motivation to give some odds some time going forward, which is good because the hardworking tapers who made this archive and thus the Help on the Way project possible deserve nothing less. Uh, I agree. I, I said earlier in the taping that I agree that this being an odd really helped because so much of Nassau shows is just the weird electric energy that Long Island brings to the Grateful Dead. So those are their thoughts interspersed with my thoughts. We had one more Reddit comment from Wallstib72. If I said that correctly, great. If I didn't, I apologize. Uh, their statement was, this terrific run also had a fully inverted plane post-drum space. I believe the 31st off the top of my face. Uh, plane replies, plane jam, some folks trust and reason, jam, next tune. Mine blown into 50,000 pieces. Nice. All right. Coming up next week, we have. Ooh, we're going back to. Uh, I guess this would, would this be considered Primal Dead? Yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, I don't care enough to get into the argument. This, this, I will call this Primal Dead. When, <laughs> if, when if would you say Primal Dead not yet shown up? Uh, that'll be my line in the sand. Uh, I would I would call this show Primal Dead. If it's got a hard to handle, if it's got a full that's it for the other one suite, we're still in Primal Dead. I you know what I can agree with that. Um April fifteenth, nineteen seventy. Uh actually this is fitting for what we are doing this upcoming weekend. Uh the Winterland Arena in San Francisco, California. You can't get much more closer to home than that for the boys. Um and like Nuff said, full um other one suite um love light um hard to handle yeah this is this is this is primal dead um so yeah looking for Candyman. um definitely looking forward to that next week it's it's later primal dead which i can handle um early primals rough later i, I can get a grip on um so looking forward to that show next week uh let's go ahead and do our bookkeeping here for the week as always please smash the subscribe button and like and share with any and all of your Grateful Dead loving friends and family. You may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded. However, if you happen to use a service that loosely rhymes with auto, 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 fi you won't find us on that. Okay? So, reminder, if you use a service that rhymes with auto, 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 au
pretty much find us on any other major podcast platform. If you get your podcast the old-fashioned way directly from the source, you may find us at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. As always, you can email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com, and you may communicate with us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash gratefuldead. Nob, any parting words for this week? Oh, I was trying to figure out how to do a gag about throwing a drumstick at the audience, and then I remembered that podcasts are not visual mediums. So I guess that's my closing thought. Picture your eyes, dear listener, and imagine that through the phone, I just threw a drumstick at you. And in that case, we want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast. And please stick around for the full show of March 29th, 1985 Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum Long Island New York and once again a special big thank you to Mr. Knob for joining us on today's episode
Oh, listen to the lips, sing sweet songs to love.